Varmt välkomna till avsnitt nummer 46 utav Champagnepodden Och i det här avsnittet kommer ni få lyssna på en intervju Med en av vinmakarna hos Champagnehuset Ruinar Caroline är ung, född 1991 Och är en del av den nya generationen vinmakare i Champagne Intervjun är inspelad på Grand Hotel nere i vinkällaren där Fredrik Lindfors, chef som idéer, så snällt serverade oss champagne så att vi, hade, vi behövde inte vara törstiga under intervjun. Intervjun är osponsrad och anledningen till att vi inte haft möjligheten att släppa avsnitten lika frekvent senaste tiden är för att vi behöver en sponsor till podden. Så att, är du intresserad av att sponsra eller du kanske känner någon som är intresserad så får ni gärna höra av er till info champansweden.se We're here in uh, the wine cellar of Grand Hotel and I'm really glad to welcome uh, Caroline Fio, the winemaker of uh, Ruinard. Bonjour. Welcome, how are you? Good, and you? Very good, thank you. Uh, do you enjoy Sweden so far? Yes, uh, actually I just uh, landed in, uh, in Stockholm just this morning, so it's uh, a little bit early, but uh, yes, very sunny outside, so I cannot complain for sure. Okay, this is your first time here? Yes, actually first time uh, ever in, uh, in Sweden, so very, very excited. Hopefully not the last time then. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. I would really like to hear about uh, the history of the house, but um, maybe before we talk about it, uh, I want to hear your history, how you got started in the wine industry and the... Uh... I'm not from a wine family at all. I'm not from a wine region. Uh, I was just... Uh, so I grew up uh, in uh, in Paris and also near uh, near Paris in Normandy and in the French Alps. So nothing to do with, uh, with wine uh, at the beginning originally. But I was completely uh, passionate about uh, chemistry and biology. And this is how I got into, into the wine. I actually hesitated between chemistry, I mean, um, all this chemistry side through uh, perfumes, cosmetics, uh, and wine. So at the beginning, I, I hesitated between those two, uh, those two fields. And uh, so I passed my prep school, my two years of prep school, and I got uh, entered into the Montpellier Superbo uh, Engineering School okay. in the south of France. And I did my first uh, internship uh, in uh, Bordeaux, in Saint-Emilion in a small family winery and uh, this is really how I got uh, into into the wine. The family was so passionate, so dedicated uh, that I knew from that moment I, I wanted to, to be uh, to be in the in the winemaking. And how long time have you been at uh, Ruinard? Uh, so only, only maybe, <laughs> no it depends on the on the on the, the opinion but uh, I've been with Ruinard for uh, more than three years now. Okay. So yeah, it's a small, uh, small family, uh, small winemaking team. We are only uh, five winemakers, and the cellar master is Frédéric Panayotis. Yes. Uh, so I've been working. So you're working, working side by side. Yes. Yep. It's, uh, he's a fantastic boss, fantastic manager, and uh, I'm learning a lot with uh, with him. So very, very happy. Yes, I met him at the um, Ruinard Challenge. I think it was two years ago in two Helsinki. Two years ago. Yes. And he talked about mm-hmm. uh, rosé. And the, that the, everybody is describing the color of the rosé like a, a pink salmon, salmon. Yes. but it's um, maybe exactly, <laughs> and it's a, the salmon can be four hundred different uh, colors. So yeah, it was really interesting. He was a, he's a great guy. Do you remember when you tried champagne the first time? Uh, yes, uh, actually, I was uh, 
a little girl, maybe I didn't have the age to be able to to drink. So it's my grandfather who uh, who like gave me a first um, first um, glass of champagne, but I didn't have the right to to taste, but only smell it. And I remember that. Uh, I put my nose a little bit too fast uh, in front of the glass and all the carbon dioxide came up oh, okay. and I was like, oh, <laughs> a little bit surprised. So I, I remember this, uh, this moment, uh, but so I don't remember well about the the aromas I could have felt uh, during this, uh, this tasting because it was only like smelling. Yes. But I remember this moment especially because uh, we were sharing all together with the family mm-hmm. uh, this, uh, this moment. How so. it should be. Yes, how it should be. And also we would like to hear uh, a short history of the house. Uh, I think you can talk about 10 hours of the history of the house, but oh, yes. uh, we don't have the time today. <laughs> yes, I will try to be short. Um, so Huinar is, uh, is the first established house of Champagne uh, since uh, 1729, so almost uh, three centuries of history behind. And at the origin of the house, uh, of the foundation of the house, a monk, uh, Dom Thierry Ruina. So Dom means uh, Dominus in Latin, which means uh, master. And so this monk from uh, Champagne uh, is going to be named at the abbey of uh, Saint-Germain-des-Prés. This monk is going to do lots of uh, trips between the Champagne region, France, across Europe. And he's going to perceive the potential of wine with bubbles around yes. the aristocracy. Unfortunately, this monk is going to die before the creation of the house, uh, but before his death, um, he's going to transmit his vision to his nephew, uh, Nicolas Ruinard. So, Don Thierry Ruinard was working for God, obviously, but uh, he had the sense of, uh, of the business. And so, Nicolas Ruinard is going to listen to his uncle and create the first uh, house of Champagne, the first business of Champagne in 1729. Uh, was it founded in uh, in uh, Reims or in Reims? In yes, uh, in Reims. And uh, so Nicolas Wena was previously involved in the textile industry, uh, so nothing to do with uh, with champagne. And step by step, uh, after the creation of the house, uh, he will quickly uh, forget the textile uh, business to fully dedicate himself to to champagne. So in 1735, so six years after the creation of the house, yes. he will completely uh, dedicate himself to to champagne. What is also important to say is that uh, one year before the creation of Four House in 1728, yes. it was actually still forbidden to transport wine in bottles. Okay. Why, according to you? <laughs> Why, according to you? <laughs> yes. Um, well, it could be many, many reasons, but uh, well, at that time it was more a question of, of money. Yes. It was uh, easier to tax a barrel of wine rather than taxing a basket of bottles of wine. Uh, So big issue for us, you know, in Champagne because we are doing the the second alcoholic fermentation in bottles. So difficult to export champagnes far away from champagnes or at least far away from France. And uh, in 1728, the king, Louis XV, was a big fan of champagnes and is going to finally promote uh, the champagnes and finally allow the transportation of wine uh, in bottles. Yes. Big revolution, and one year later, uh, Nicolas Ruinard takes this opportunity to create the first uh, house of Champagne. So mm-hmm. Ruinard is an old, um, an old house of Champagne, but it's also a, um, a contemporary uh, house of Champagne. Uh, the house is always renewing itself, uh, uh, thanks to uh, mainly thanks to uh, contemporary art. 
the, the house of, has been uh, uh, has been entertaining close relationships with art since uh, 1896. Uh, so in 19, uh, 1896, sorry, Alphonse Moura uh, was the first artist uh, who was commissioned by uh, my, by Maison Wiener to create the first uh, ad, the first artistic ad for for Wiener. Wiener is always uh, giving every year carte blanche uh, to uh, to a new artist to express himself uh, and to reinvent the DNA and the codes of of the Maison. So Wiener is very close to contemporary art thanks to those. Uh, artistic collaborations every year yes. and also uh, thanks to a lot of art fairs we are collaborating with uh, more than 30 art fairs uh, across the world mm. so. interesting really interesting we also have to talk uh, a little bit about uh, the shape of the bottle because I think yes. uh, Renard is uh, very well known um, also maybe thanks not to, the, uh, to the shape <laughs> yes <laughs> but it's known for the shape and um, could you tell us how the shape, how you started to have this shape of the bottles. I guess it's old bottles. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, found from the monks, but um, yes. not quite um, sure. So, at that time, actually, the, the bottle of champagne was um, an inspiration of, of the calf. Uh, champagne was so that, uh, for example, in, in Perth, in Iran, uh, they were storing uh, fruit syrups in carafe. So this is why uh, the, the original bottles of champagne had that yes. uh, uh, larger uh, shoulder. Also, at that time, they were blowing the glass uh, with the mouth. So that's why the shoulders also uh, were larger. So Rina is actually paying a tribute to the to the to the 18th century, yes. uh, which is the, the century of uh, the Enlightenment. So what we say in French, uh, uh, we call it uh, le siècle des Lumières, uh, and uh, so this is the original actually shape of uh, of champagne of yeah. the bottles of uh, of champagne. It's a very very nice shape. And, uh, and is there any difference uh, between this kind of shape of the bottle to a, a normal bottle uh, in terms of having the second fermentation on the lees? Um, not really. Uh, the I would say the only detail uh, on, in this uh, in this bottle shape uh, would be the neck of the bottle because if you look at the neck, uh, this is 
smaller headspace actually uh, versus the average of the bottles of champagne. So this is 26 millimeter, and the average in champagne is 29 millimeter. So it's a little so bit less uh, contact to, uh, between the wine and and, uh, and oxygen. Yes, exactly. We, um, so this is also part of the style of Fuena, but we are really trying to minimize uh, the oxygen contact with the wine because this is also part of uh, of the style of Fuena. I'm going to talk a little bit uh, yes. later. And also to come back on the, on the shape, there is a famous painting uh, dated from uh, 1735 called, uh, called uh, Le Déjeuner d'huître in French. Uh, so in English it would be translated into uh, the lunch of oysters. Mm-hmm. And so this painting from Jean-François de Troyes, uh, so which is exhibited next to, next to Paris, uh, is uh, showcasing people, so gentilhomme, having a lunch of oysters. And also in this painting, you see people uh, having some uh, some wine, some liquid, with this kind of shape of bottle. Mm-hmm. So this liquid was stored in this kind of shape. And you see also in this painting that those people were looking up. Uh, some of them were looking uh, in the air. And you see actually a cork, which has been popped. Up. Oh, really? Uh, and so you can guess that at that time, in 1735, uh, they were already drinking uh, champagne. Yes. And in 1735, uh, there were only three houses of champagne. So Huinard, 1729, Chanoine, 1730, and Tettinger, 1734. So maybe in this painting, it was already uh, Huinard uh, painted. So this really pays a tribute to the 18th century. And in terms of winemaking, yes, uh, the, the headspace has an impact. And I don't know if you ever visited uh, the Huinard cellars. And no, not I yet. Haven't. So you have to. I you, hopefully, you will I be get more than you will be more than welcome to, to come visiting us. It would be a, it would be a pleasure. Uh, and if you come visit, you will see that uh, our uh, bottles uh, are not especially stored on wooden stocks. No. They are only stored uh, also entrée, but in specific containers yes. because the shape is very difficult yes. to be able to put on wooden uh, stocks. So they are entrée as well, but not in the same uh, way. Mm, I can imagine. And um, <clears throat> because this is a champagne podcast, we, we should have a glass of champagne. For sure. And um, we have three different champagnes here uh, today. Yes. Um, so, the Rosé, we have the Blanc de Blanc and yes. the, the Art de Ruinard. Yes. Which one should we start with? I think we could start with the with the Air de Ruina, which is a signature cuvée of the of the Maison. Then we will go to uh, Ruina Blanc de Blanc, which is more the iconic cuvée for Maison, uh, the flagship. And then we will uh, finish with a, a glass of, of Ruina Rosé, if you great, if you would of like course, to. Of course, of uh, course. So if I open the bottle, maybe you can start talking a little bit about uh, the cuvée or the Ruina. Sure. So, Erdorina is a non-vintage uh, champagne. Uh, this is a blend, uh, so this is the only uh, cuvée at Ruina that has some sheep. Uh, so here, uh, nice, uh, nice pop-up. <laughs> so here are three main grape varieties of the champagne region. Um, so Chardonnay, always a minimum of 40%. And then you have some proportions of Meunier and Pinot Noir that are changing uh, according to the, to the base uh, vintage. So here uh, we're having the 2016 base, uh, blended with 25% of reserve wines, uh, 2015 and 2014. So and then um, for the listeners that maybe don't know about the reserve wine, what it is, can you uh, explain it uh, yes. shortly? Yes. 
So in Champagne, we are very lucky to be able to, to play with the previous years. So uh, the, the major production of, of Champagne is non-vintage Champagne. So it means that uh, you're not going to have only one uh, given vintage uh, in your Champagne. We are mixing, we are playing with uh, previous vintages, previous uh, wines from previous vintages, previous years that we are storing uh, in the cellars, in, in tanks. So you have the first fermentation. Uh, it's a still uh, wine that yes, you, you store in the cellars. Yes, it remains still wines. Yes. So, for example, if I take uh, last year, 2018, uh, so we we used uh, to make the future uh, future wine, the future, for example, Renard Blanc de Blanc, uh, which will be released in three years. So we took uh, 75% of uh, the 2018 vintage, and then we we used 25% of uh, previous years, like 2015 and 2014. So in Champagne, at that time, a long time ago, you know, Champagne, the Champagne region is not uh, actually adjusted uh, at that time, a long time ago, to, to, to have always a good, sufficient yield every year. And so the Champagne... Because of the, of, the, of the climate. Of the climate, which yes. was a very hard, very rude. Uh, and so the Champenois, to be able to release every year some wine, uh, they, they use the technique of uh, using reserve wine, so storing previous years, to always be able uh, every year to, to release uh, some wines with a sufficient uh, yes. volumes. And of course, you want the Champagne, the Arde Ruinard, to have the same uh, qualities, the same taste as, uh, every year. Yes. And that's why you use the reserve wine to, to make it... Uh, Taste the same every year. Yes, this is the particularity of uh, of champagne. Uh, so this is l'art de l'assemblage, the, the blending, uh, the art of uh, of blending. It's more difficult for us winemakers uh, to to make, for example, a Ruinard Blanc de Blanc than making a Dom Ruinard, which is a vintage uh, cuvee that we have in the range of uh, of the Ruinard uh, wines, because you're playing with the grapes, uh, you're playing with the terroir. Uh, and you're playing with the years, and at the end, uh, the customer, the client, is expecting you to, to have, you know, the the same wine, the the bottle you bought today, the bottle you're going to buy tomorrow, and the bottle you bought yesterday. Yes. The style must be consistent, and so for us, it's much more challenging because we must, you know, give the same style, the it's same the quality to be every to, year. To make. Yes, it's harder. Yeah. It's harder to make for sure. And than making how, a how many? It's it's uh, three different grapes, and how many different uh, uh, vats are you mixing together, and how many villages uh, is it included? So we do not have a plot by plot approach at Twina. Uh, so we classify all wines per grape variety, of course, obviously, um, per uh, classification, grand cru, premier cru, cru, uh, and also per per region. And each juice, uh, after pressing the bourbage, when uh, when it comes to alcoholic fermentation, each, each juice uh, will be tasted, and we are going to give a, a mark, a grade to those uh, juices. And then, at the end of the alcoholic fermentation, at the end of the malolactic fermentation, we're going to taste every base wines, and again, we're going to give uh, qualitative. Uh, yes. grade, and you're using mark. the malolactic fermentation for all the cuvées at Ruinard? Yes. yes. Um, can, you, can you tell the listeners what, what the malolactic fermentation is? Sure. So um, the malolactic fermentation is not compulsory for each producer. You can make it or you can decide not to make it. 
Um, so this is a conversion of bacteria that you, you, you add bacteria actually, or you can just uh, leave nature doing by itself because you have naturally bacteria uh, in your wine. So it's usually after the alkaline fermentation. Yes. So those bacteria you're going to add, they are going to convert uh, malic acid into lactic acid. Yes. And so and the you, wine can't be too cold uh, at that time. At that time, yes. Time. Bacteria, they like heat. Uh, so it's, if it's too cold, they're never going to do the job. Uh, and so when they are converting this uh, malic acid into lactic acid, uh, lactic acid has actually uh, one acid function less. So that's why you're decreasing the acidity. So malolactic fermentation, generally speaking, aims to decrease the acidity in your wine and also acquire more roundness in the style. So at Wena, we are always making the full malolactic fermentation in all of our wines to decrease the acidity, but also to always have the silky texture uh, on the palate, this roundness with a, with a savory finish. This is very important to us to get this balance between the freshness and the roundness, so the silky texture, thanks mainly to, to the malolactic fermentation. We have to try the, the champagne. Yes. And I would like to sure. hear uh, your words uh, about it uh, mm -hmm. regarding uh, flavor, texture, and uh, smell. So, sure. Cheers. Santé. Okay. Merci. So Erdorina, so 2016 base, we talked about it just, uh, just before, so 40% of Chardonnay. 47% uh, of uh, Pinot Noir and 13% of Meunier. So what is important to remember is that we always have a minimum of 40% of Chardonnay. And then the, the percentage between uh, Pinot Noir and Meunier are changing uh, every year. And can you say that uh, Chardonnay is the most important grape for, for Renard? Yes. yes. If you had to remember two things about the style of Renard, first I would tell you the Chardonnay. Chardonnay is really the emblem of our maison. We're using this grape variety a lot. It brings refinement, elegance aromatic purity, and this is really what we're looking for uh, at Winar. And what's the most important villages for the Chardonnay? So we have our, actually, our historical uh, plots, uh, vineyards, in uh, in Sillery, uh, so in the Montagne d'Anse. So the, um, the main uh, sourcing of all grapes at Winar are predominantly Côte des Blancs and uh, Montagne d'Anse, especially with Sillery, which is our historical vineyard, and we have 17 hectares of Chardonnay uh, there. In Sillery? Ancillary is really small. Yes, this is really the 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 royaume, uh, like the kingdom of yes. uh, of Renard, so, yes, Chardonnay. And then the second point to remember in terms of style for Renard is what we call the aromatic freshness. So all this universe of fresh fruits, uh, citrus fruits, exotic fruits. So from lemon to pineapple, bypassing white peach. So all this universe of fresh fruits and also fresh uh, floral notes. And would you say this is a champagne that you can drink every day as an aperitif? Uh, you don't have to pair it with any food. Just open the bottle and share it <laughs> with your friends. Yes, it depends on the on everybody. I mean, the 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 perception of of the champagne is very personal. But of course, you could enjoy this uh, this wine uh, like by itself. One of the members of uh, the family Rina used to say that uh, he likes to drink his champagne from uh, nine a.m. in the morning. <laughs> from nine in the morning. From nine a.m. in the morning. Yes, uh, until nine a.m. the next morning. Okay. Yeah. So this is part of the philosophy <laughs> of uh, of the house. 
uh, drinking this wine, making actually easy drinking wines. Uh, the style of Wina is, uh, is easy drinking, accessible, uh, yet with this, uh, this elegance and this, uh, this refinement. Mm. It's very nice, very, very nice. So Erdorina, uh, like all the other non-vintages, are aging two years and a half uh, on the lease. Okay. And if you would describe the house style of Ruinar, how would you describe it? So Chardonnay, uh, really the, the flagship, the, like the angular stone of, of the house. And uh, second, the aromatic freshness we talked about. So all the universe of fresh fruits. The full monolactic fermentation, which are going to give us this balance between the freshness and the rawness. So this easy drinking style, accessible, this always the savory finish. It's a little bit different on, on the Domino, uh, which are cuvées that are aging a little bit longer in the cellars, different terroir, uh, different uh, winemaking techniques, but the style uh, is always this Chardonnay-driven style, uh, yes. this aromatic freshness, this reductive style. Yes. Uh, we're not using any oak, uh, Twinard, uh, no oak. It's only stainless steel tanks uh, to really uh, keep this, uh, this freshness of the fruit. So no oak, this is a key point. Uh, so we are very careful with all the oxygen intakes uh, during transfers of the wines, bottling, pumping, uh, disgorging. So all these steps in the winemaking process, we are going to be very careful with oxygen. Oxygen is like the enemy for, for winner, not during the aging uh, process on the lease. But uh, if, I, if I would sum up, uh, we are very, very careful with, uh, with oxygen. So no oak, very careful during the transfers. Full malolactic fermentation. Uh, this is uh, this is key. Um, and uh, well, what else? It's already. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of information. Already covered <laughs> lots of information. We talked before about the malolactic fermentation and yes. that you decrease the acidity a little bit. Um, yes. And since. Um, the climate changes. Uh, it's getting warmer and warmer in, in Champagne. And um, uh, from the information that I get from other uh, houses, they, they really try to fight the climate changes uh, and uh, doing things to, to have the acidity uh, present. Yes, so... Are you doing anything at Ruinar to, to keep the acidity? So some producers, of course, due to climate change, uh, if you look at 2018, um, a vintage completely out of the norm in Champagne in terms of quality, quantity, precocity, and very early. We started on the 20th of August last year, so this was very, very early, very hot. We had the driest and the sunniest uh, summer we had in Champagne ever in 2018. So, of course, climate change is an issue for everybody in the world and especially also in, in Champagne. We feel very concerned uh, with, uh, with climate change. So, to keep the freshness of, uh, of the wines, malolactic fermentation could be sold to, could be a point to discuss. So to, have you started to, to block the malolactic fermentation for future vintages? Or? No. So, not for Winar, uh, because this is really part of the style, this, uh, you know, this balance between the, the freshness and the roundness. But for some producers, of course, this could be a point to discuss and to block the malarctic fermentation to keep the acidity. But at Winar, this is not something we, we are for the moment uh, thinking of. Uh, you have other solutions to, to fight, to struggle against uh, global warming. Uh, so we are currently working on uh, uh, clonal 
uh, clones selection, uh, massal selection in the vineyards. So we are selecting the best individuals, the best uh, vines uh, that are, you know, uh, resisting better to the to the diseases, uh, giving interesting aromatic profiles, especially like acidity. Um, so we are trying to select to select uh, the the clones uh, doing massa selections as well uh, to be able to to struggle and to adapt to to climate change. It's really uh, interesting. Really, really interesting. It's a it's a lot of work. We are doing micro winemaking to to you know to to see the the trends of each uh, to to analyze the behavior of each uh, each plant. So it's quite a <laughs> quite a. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so this this is the first uh, thing we could think about. Uh, maybe also the, the you know the regulation in Champagne is going to change um, the training system. Uh, maybe we will have gobelet in, in Champagne. I don't know. I'm saying something which is maybe some ridiculous. Can you explain it, what it is? Uh, so you have different ways, you know, to uh, to prune your vine. Yes. So we uh, you have four main pruning system in, in Champagne. Uh, so, for example, in, in for Chardonnay, this is mainly uh, Chablis, the Chablis pruning system. Uh, but uh, you have other um, um, vine training system that allow the vine not to capture too much light, so less light, less transpiration of the, of the plant, and so uh, the the plant is more adapted to to drought. So. We could change. We could think about changing the training system. We could think about like having more space between the vine rows. Uh, so vine spacing is also an issue. The more you are increasing the vine spacing, and the better the vines will be uh, struggling against against uh, droughts, yes. problems of uh, of temperatures. But the harvest will be uh, lower yield. So maybe it's a problem, and the price is rising. But yes. the most important thing is, of course, we, to have a Great champagne. It's better to make maybe less quantity and still have uh, qualitative wines. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. So this could be maybe one day thing uh, thought about. And you know, um, so this this is part of uh, the the solutions we could have. Uh, but we could also think about um, harvest a little bit uh, earlier. Yes. You know, um, so maybe less ripe, but still with a, with a high acidity. So there is many, many solutions actually we need to think about and that we are currently thinking of, um, and especially our, uh, our attention at Wiener is, uh, is focused on this uh, uh, clone and massa selection. Wiener and um, the, the, the Moet Tennessee group is very um, concerned uh, by sustainable uh, engagement. And we have at Winara strong ambitions in terms of, uh, of sustainability. We were already committed to environment, to energy, to water management, to waste management. But uh, our president, Frédéric Dufour, really wants to uh, even more put the emphasis on, uh, on sustainability. So we have uh, different uh, projects uh, which are covering the whole the whole value chain. So from sustainable viticulture, we have a double certification in terms of uh, sustainability. We have the HVE um, certification, which is a national uh, certification, which is the highest certification you can have in terms of sustainability. And we also have the uh, sustainable viticulture in Champagne certification, which is given by uh, 
by the Champagne region, so a local uh, local certification. But it, the thing is, a lot of people think about uh, you know uh, viticulture, but if you look, for example, at the the carbon um, footprint in Champagne, um, viticulture is only twelve percent of uh, of the carbon footprint. So we need to to focus also on other actions like transportation, for example, packaging. Uh, so we are not only engaged, uh, committed to sustainable viticulture, but we also have other uh, actions. So like packaging, eco-design. Yes. So we are reducing the packaging, uh, the plastic, uh, the, the weight of, uh, of the packaging. This is a big uh, ambition and this is something we already did it. Uh, we already uh, did, but this is something we really want to, to increase, uh, mm-hmm. reducing the weight and reducing uh, the packaging to make it even more sustainable. Uh, for example, also uh, sourcing uh, the cork from sustainable forest. Uh, so all this uh, this uh, topic as well is, is concerned. Um, water management, so all 100% of the water that we know is recycled. Uh, 100% of our waste uh, is recycled. Mm. Uh, so we are doing many, many things uh, at that point. We also have a certification in terms of energy. So we are reducing our uh, energy uh, print. So for example, we are also equipping, uh, we are also implementing LEDs uh, in the cellars, you know, to replace Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The sodium lights. Yes. Uh, because you are saving actually 51% more of energy with LEDs, uh, and you, the, the life cycle of uh, LEDs are, is, is much longer uh, yes. than sodium yes, lights. Uh, so we have many, many uh, actions in terms of sustainability, but which are not only covering uh, viticulture, because this is only one part of, of the process. Yes. Uh, should we start talking about um, the maybe the, <laughs> yeah, no no it's really really interesting but I think uh, the next uh, one uh, we're gonna try is um, the one that the Swedish uh, 
consumers like recognize a, the most mm -hmm. and the, the transparent bottle yes uh, so, so if I pour it yeah. for you and then, then sure and it's also the house champagne of uh, Grand Hotel at the right now yes this is uh, so we now know the noise the Art de Ruinard is the house champagne yes but uh, you can also get uh, Ruinard Blanc de Blanc at the glass and also the Rosé I think so starting now I mean starting uh, switching now to the Ruinard Blanc de Blanc so this is the iconic cuvée of Ruinard, 100% uh, Chardonnay. Uh, so among this 100% Chardonnay, you have 80% of, uh, of the grapes coming from um, Premier Cru. So one half part coming from the Côte des Blancs, Vertu, Bergère les Vertus, Villeneuve-Renville, uh, Cuit. And one other half part coming from the Montagne de Reims, uh, like Tripaille and Villers Marmerie. And then you saw 80% of Premier Cru. In this one? Uh, not always. You, you can okay. always have a little yeah. bit of it, but uh, this is mainly for uh, the Dom Winner and also for other uh, wines, uh, like if you directly press actually the, the grapes. Uh, yes. So it's, uh, it's only Chardonnay, so you also have Sillery in, uh, in other uh, wines, not only in the Blanc de Blanc cuvées. And this is uh, a non vintage? It's a non-vintage, yes. so 80% of Premier Cru, 20% of Cru. Uh, so it, this is again the 2016 base, uh, so 2016 vintage, mainly uh, blended with 25% of other vintages, so 2015 and 2014. Two years and a half of, uh, of aging. So what we're going to have in this wine, really what we talked before, this aromatic freshness, so this lemon aromas, um, this uh, also this hint of spices like uh, ginger and cardamom, this flower aromas like uh, magnolia, uh, linden, white peach, uh, pineapple, so exotic fruits as well. So very fresh, um, and on the mouthfeel uh, you have this uh, this freshness, uh, this acidity also, which is given by uh, by the Chardonnay. But you see, it's not uh, it's not too aggressive on the palate. It's uh, it's still silky. Yeah, and this is champagne you can uh, match with uh, some food as well. What do you, would you recommend? So by itself, for sure, it's working. And then if you want to to pair Winner uh, Blanc de Blanc with dishes. Uh, for example, uh, um, a brim tartar with some um, kiwi, apple, wasabi. The wasabi actually could be very interesting because it gives the, you the, know... Uh, uh, the wasabi. Wasabi, yeah. yeah I, yes. I was thinking about, uh, I had a dinner at, yesterday at uh, Taco. Taco Taco, it's an oh, yeah? Asian fusion place in, in Stockholm. And uh, it was not too spicy, uh, it was really balanced, it's a lot of umami um, and also <clears throat> some sweetness and I think this champagne will be great with those kind of dishes. Oh yes, uh, Asian food is, uh, is matching very well, Japanese food is, uh, is working very well. Um, so all this, um, this rogue uh, fish, it's, it's working well, scallops, um, you can try many, uh, many, many pairings. Uh, 
so far they are staying uh, very delicate and fresh, not too heavy, not too sweet, not too salty, not too spicy. This is the, the main uh, main rule, but then you can try many, many pairings. I would really recommend you to, uh, because you're going to have a dinner at uh, Grand Hotel tonight. Yes. And uh, I'm quite sure that they have a Swedish Kalix uh, Leuron. And uh, it's something that um, you don't have in, in Champagne. Yes. Um, a lot of... Uh, my friends in Champagne, they want me to bring Colix Leiron to Champagne when I come. But you should really try it tonight and, and try to pair it with the Blanc de Blanc. Yes, Blanc de Blanc. Yes, uh, uh, we, we have it tonight and I can't wait to, to taste uh, the, the menu tonight. And uh, Frédéric Linsforce, uh, the chef sommelier, is uh, really uh, pampering uh, me. So I feel very privileged to, to represent Renard tonight at, uh, at this dinner. So this is going to be very, very exciting. Yeah. Can't wait. I think so too. And if you're too nervous or if you black out, then Frederick knows everything. <laughs> so you yeah, can, that should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I really think so. I want to ask you, what do you think, where will Runar be in 10 years? Well, Runar will still be located uh, Quatre Rue des Crières in Reims uh, in Champagne. Well, more, more seriously, um, Runar will be uh, celebrating its uh, third century. Of history. 300 years. Yes, uh, 1729 to 2029. Okay. So 300 years old. So this is a big, uh, big step, big turning point for Renard. So you can guess that we have many uh, exciting projects related to wines, related to contemporary art, related to technologies, to digital. So you can also guess that I'm not going to be able to reveal all this uh, this exciting projects, but uh, and I also guess that you have some uh, 300 years anniversary <laughs> celebration bottles uh, in the cellars that uh, <laughs> has never been seen before, and it's a Maybe. secret. You will see. Yeah, you have to wait. Uh, you have to wait 10 years, but uh, you can make sure that we now will be uh, uh, still extending the 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 l'art de vivre à la française, the art of uh, French living. Yes. But yes, keep uh, uh, stay tuned because uh, there will be a lot of exciting projects uh, coming up. Yeah, really, really looking forward to it. <laughs> um, when you drink champagne, of course, um, do you drink champagne every day? I, yes. <laughs> I'm not drinking champagne, uh, I mean, I'm tasting champagne every day. Uh, because this is part of the job yes. uh, so we are spitting after tasting but this is really part of the job because uh, we're not our job does not stop at the blending sessions uh, so from October to uh, so during winter time we also have a lot of tasting quality uh, tasting control uh, so for example we have to taste uh, an old vintage in the cellars and we need to see how how the, the evolution is, is doing. Uh, we um, we also have like dosage tastings. Uh, so many, many... Mm, many, quite, many tastings. Many, many tastings. So yes, we... I guess your, your dentist is not uh, so happy with it. <laughs> yes, so <laughs> I have to be careful with acidity, yes. Uh, but um, I will tell you a little secret. Uh, when we are doing... When we are tasting uh, the base wines, yes. uh, it's quite acidic, so we are rebalancing the pH yes. of, our, of our mouth. So we are, after each tasting, we are drinking some uh, bicarbonate yes. of uh, with water to you know to rebalance uh, the the pH. 
But yes, we're testing every day and this is part of the job. And of course, I cannot say that I don't like it because this is such a, a beautiful job. And the thing is, you always discover many, many things um, every day. You, I think the wine industry, as of course many, many other uh, sectors, uh, you need to, to remain very humble because wine uh, teach you every day new, new things. So. Mm. So yeah, yeah, it's a passion, uh, passion job. Great. Uh, and b before we go to the next career, I think uh, we should uh, tell the listeners a little bit about um, the importance to protect this uh, transparent bottle from uh, from sunlight. Yes, this is very important uh, to protect the bottles from uh, from sunlight, but also from any kind of lights. Uh, there is specific lights that do not affect the wine, the champagne. Uh, you know the orange LEDs, uh, the orange brown lights, like yes. the sodium lights that we have in the cellars. Actually, they are not dangerous for the wine uh, because this kind of light is not, um, you know, provoking the light damage, the light struck uh, issue. Uh, so what happens is that in champagnes, but also in white wines, in beer in olive oil, so in many, many products, in dairy products, uh, you have a vitamin, uh, which is called the riboflavin, and this vitamin is getting excited with the light. Uh, so this vitamin gets excited with the light, and this vitamin wants to remove from its energy. And so you have a cascade of reactions. This is very complicated, a cascade of chemical reactions, and you have the synthesis of different compounds, like reduction aromas, like uh, H2S, you know, the egg aroma, yes. <laughs> uh, the humid cloves, uh, the cauliflower aromas, the cheese aromas. So all these aromas that are not very glamorous, for sure. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, champagne is maybe more sensitive uh, than, um, than beer or than olive oil, uh, because uh, you have two fermentations, two alcoholic fermentations in champagne, and so you have uh, higher concentrations of this vitamin and also other from other compounds that are going to react uh, within this uh, this reaction. So you need to be very careful, especially when you have a transparent, a clear glass like Renard Blanc de Blanc. You can have also some some light damage with a green glass, but the thing is, the reaction is going to be much longer. The problem is, is with this reaction, we never know when it is going to happen. Sometimes it can take you a few hours and sometimes it's going to take you weeks before yeah. it's going to happen. It depends on the kind of light, it depends on of the intensity of the light and it depends also uh, of the temperature. Yes. The more warm, the warmer it is around you and the more issues you can have with, uh, with that. So it's always very important to store uh, the wine properly uh, in the dark. Uh, this, is, this is our recommendations. Um, yeah. Once this is properly stored, no worries, uh, the wine is going to taste, uh, hopefully, very good. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> really, really important information. Um, we have to try the rosé uh, pretty yes. soon. But um, a lot of the listeners, they are interested in if, it's, if it's possible to come to Renard for visits. Is it open for public or is it a closed house? Yes, this is open to public from March to uh, to October throughout the year and you can just also book online we have a, a website uh, and you, you can just also book your 
uh, your appointments directly on the website, or you can also call us uh, directly uh, on the phone. And what's what's the best thing to do, and how many weeks uh, in advance uh, is so it recommended to to book your visit? Our maison is quite uh, quite busy, so you need to usually yeah, take uh, take your appointment a little bit in advance. So I recommend one month before uh, your 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 visit. You should uh, you should plan you should book your reservation one month yes. uh, before your your visit to make sure that you will be able to to spend uh, some good time at the at the place. Yeah, yeah, really, I really um, I have to go there next time. Uh, yes. I come to Champagne. Please. Uh, I've been in in the high tech sellers um, quite a lot of times, and uh, there's a door. It, before it was a door and uh, to uh, Ruinar. Oh yes. Yeah, and I tried to scream at the door, and maybe you heard <laughs> maybe it. Maybe I heard you. Yeah. Yes. But uh, Ruinar is one of the five cellars that is protected by the World Heritage of uh, UNESCO. Yes. So um, since uh, 2015, uh, actually Ruinar is also the first, uh, the only house that is uh, uh, for for the cellars. I'm talking for for the cellars. Uh, that are uh, natural site, uh, classified natural site since yes. uh, 1931, uh, and uh, classified to the UNESCO uh, heritage uh, since uh, 2015. So we are very proud of Champenois to, to be classified, and especially we now as we are. Um, so this is an historical uh, site, uh, you know, because during the First World War, uh, our settlers. Uh, enabled uh, the population of Reims to protect themselves against uh, bombing. So this was uh, um, all cellars, or chopits are full of history. Uh, and this is amazing because when you are walking down in the cellars, you can see on the chalk uh, all uh, some, some graffitis, you know, from, from a long time ago. So this is very inspiring and very like, yeah, it's, how do you say it? Like, you're privileged to, to, to see it, and it's nice that it's going to be there forever. Yes. So, mm -hmm. so really, these galleries of, of chalk are quite impressive. At Huina, we have the deepest uh, chalk cellars, so you can go until 40 meters deep. It's quite uh, quite impressive. Eight kilometers of galleries of chalk, uh, so you see it's uh, quite impressive. And beyond, uh, beyond being uh, an historical site, actually, this is also perfect conditions uh, for storage, for aging of yes. the wines in terms of constant temperature, high humidity, uh, and also uh, no light and no, uh, no vibrations. Mm. Perfect. <laughs> and it's uh, perfect to be there uh, when the summer is too hot. Yes. I remember when I was in Champagne uh, last summer, it was terrible, 40 degrees. So I noticed you're visiting quite often in the Champagne region, but you still never visited Ruinard. <laughs> yeah, so I have, will to, have, I have to. to go there, for sure. <laughs> I will. Yes, um, please ring the bell. I promise. We'll go there Great. the 1st of uh, June. Great. So, yeah, okay. I'll go there. So for sure. we are waiting for you. <laughs> I heard uh, actually last summer that uh, people were sleeping in the cellars because it was too hot. Uh, Oh, maybe. Uh, I don't know why. if at Rina we are sleeping. You didn't actually. do it? <laughs> but uh, yes, it's always um, a good place to stay because the temperature is always among 11, 12 degrees Celsius throughout the year. So this is a good uh, a good plan. <laughs> Perfect. Should, should we try the, the third one? Sure, let's go. Um, 
and another question before you talk about the rosé. Um, you're working as a winemaker at the Ruinard. Yes. And do you think you can become a winemaker just through uh, hard work and practice, or do you have to have something, a natural talent? Uh... I think it really depends on the person. Uh, so some people might have a natural talent, but they will also train a lot. Some people will train a lot and will also succeed. So it's really personal, I think, and it really depends on 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 everybody. Uh, but uh, do you think that hard work beats talent, or is it the opposite? You should always have a mix of both. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I think if you have talent, you it's also because you're training a lot, and especially when you are a winemaker, you need to remain curious, remain open-minded, and especially train a lot. Yes. Uh, train a lot, taste a lot, uh, taste your wines, obviously, to make the blends, to, you know, to, to know the quality of your wine, to, to know how to improve your wines, but it's also tasting, of course, yes. competitors, and especially other regions uh, of the world and other producers uh, of the world. So you always need to, to remain open-minded uh, to, to be able to, to know where you're going to go and what is going to drive, uh, to drive you. Yes. And it's tasting, uh, being a good taster, I would say this is 90% of training. Uh, yes. One person who will tell you, well, this is a 1949 Romane Conti, uh, Romane Saint-Yvon. Uh, this is because the person already tasted the vintage yes. a little bit before. So it's for me, personally, <clears throat> this is more a question of training. Uh, but you must have maybe a little hint of, yes. of talent, maybe. I would well. say <laughs> that my, uh, my fiancé, she's got more talent than me. Than me. Because um, if we do a blind tasting... And we're trying uh, standard champagnes. Then uh, I will beat her uh, in all the blind tasting. <laughs> but if we try vintages that we haven't tried before, um, then we sh she will beat me ten times out of ten. So I think that's more of a talent uh, mm -hmm. to to recognize um, houses that you haven't tried or vintages mm -hmm. you haven't tried. Uh, but um, if you try non-vintage champagnes uh, every day, then uh, it's it's easier to practice. Yes, yeah. you don't have to have so much so much talent. A combination of talent and, and training is yeah. sounds like a good match. Yeah. yeah, we have to talk about the, the, the rosé for sure. Yeah, so rosé non-vintage as well, twenty sixteen base. Um, so forty five percent of Chardonnay, fifty five percent of Pinot Noir. And you see the color is quite intense. It's because among the Pinot Noir, uh, you have 16% uh, uh, of red wine. Yes. So some part of the Pinot Noir we directly pressed. So that's why we had a white juice. And some part of the Pinot Noir, uh, the other parts, uh, we made macerate the grapes a long time uh, so to get the color and to get the red wine. So in this wine, in this champagne, you have 16% of, of red wine. So, so that's why the color is quite It's a blended rosé. It's a blended rosé. Um, the history of, of Winar, and I will tell you something about Sweden. Um, uh, Please. Yes. <laughs> fun, uh, fun anecdote. Recently, actually, a few years ago, uh, Winar, uh, so someone at the, at the archives, uh, was in charge of the history of, of the house, recently found uh, that Winar was uh, the first house 
uh, that made rose champagne in 1762 and exported for the first time in 1764. Oh. So first time we shipped rose, uh, it was in 1764, so a long, long time ago. Uh, and uh, at that time it was not called rosé mm -hmm. it was called partridge eye uh, so maybe you remember when you did the technical lecture about rosé uh, with Frédéric uh, yes. two years ago during the Rena Sommelier Challenge yes. uh, maybe he talked to you about the, and I'm sure he did uh, about the, the partridge eye uh, rosé champagne uh, so at that time if you see this bird this partridge. Uh, so when this uh, partridge was dying, uh, the color of the eye was becoming a little bit orangish, uh, mm -hmm. a little bit like orange red. Uh, and so that's why they were calling the rosé partridge eye uh, champagne. Uh, and then I it think, moved I to think he showed me, um, he had a letter. Uh, yes, a letter with œil yes. de perdri. Yes. yes. Yeah, so partridge eye and œil de perdri in, uh, in French. And Rina has been using the the blending technique uh, since the mid of, uh, of the 19th century. So we, we moved to this technique uh, to be able also to put a lot of Chardonnay. Uh, you can make macerate uh, Chardonnay grapes, but to get the color, uh, this is going to be uh, complicated. So that's why we use the, the blending technique to be able to put a lot of Chardonnay even in, uh, in the rosé. Yes. And I promised I, um, uh, I was about to tell you uh, something about Sweden. So we now have strong relationships with Sweden. Uh, the first shipment uh, to, uh, of champagne in general uh, of Winar in Sweden, in Stockholm, okay. uh, was in 1768. Was it for the royal family? Or yes, it was for okay. the royal court. Yes. It was for the King uh, Adolf Frederick okay. at that time. Uh, and you know everything. <laughs> yes. and, and at the end, uh, and at the end of the 18th century, uh, I mean, we know during those shipments to Sweden that the Swedish members of the family uh, royal of the royal family uh, were ordering a lot of eau de perdri champagnes, a mm. lot of rosé champagnes. Yes. So we know that uh, Swedish people already liked uh, rosé uh, since a lot of time. But I, I really think that Swedish people should drink more rosé really? champagne. Yeah, we maybe. drink too much still rosé, uh, but uh, rosé champagne is uh, it's wonderful. And uh, I think the Ruinard is uh, one of the best. It's really, really nice, this one. This, um, this wine is really exotic driven. Uh, you have this lychee, guava, pomegranate aromas. Uh, you have this red fruits, of course, as well. Some cherry, some raspberry. Uh, and you also have this hint of spices, uh, like uh, uh, pink uh, peppercorn, uh, this, um, uh, this aromas of, uh, of roseberries, uh, of, uh, of mint, of uh, pepper, of white pepper. So all this universe as well of spices which is present in this wine. And yet in the, in the mouthfeel again, you know, it's very intense, uh, very fresh, but still uh, very silky, very brown. So quite uh, easy drinking again uh, in terms of, uh, of style. Yeah. I promised to visit um, Ruinar uh, in, in June. <laughs> okay. I, uh, maybe we can record another podcast and we can talk a little bit about um, the, the prestige champagnes. From Ruinar, for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. And really happy to have you here. Good luck with the dinner tonight. Uh, Thank don't you. forget to, to try some uh, Le Rome. I will, for sure. I will yeah. think of you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you Do you have much. anything uh, Thank you, Martin. you want to say to the listeners? Why should they drink Ruinar? I mean, 
everybody has, the, has its own perception and drinking is the mirror of yourself. So always think about uh, about this. It's uh, always a question of personal taste. So I'm not going to force the listeners to drink champagne and especially Urena champagnes. But uh, well, if you like Chardonnay-driven style, delicate, fresh, uh, but still uh, silky, uh, silky texture uh, wines, uh, I think Renard is a, is a good match. Yeah, that's one of the best answers I've ever heard. Really? Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Merci, Martin. Och där var intervjun klar med Caroline. Uh, jag fick stanna henne för annars så skulle den här intervjun säkert pågå i två timmar. Hon är ju väldigt, väldigt trevlig och, och kunnig och pratar verkligen på in- och utandning. Eh, jag tycker att man verkligen känner en skillnad eller man märker en skillnad på de här nya vinmakarna kontra de äldre. Att eh, de är mycket, mycket mer eh, mediatränade och det är roligt att de är så pass precis lika duktiga på engelska som vi är eh, så att vi kan förstå dem och eh, jag misstänker att husen verkligen kan använda dem mycket mer i PR-syfte och när de är ute på resor och ska promota sina olika kuver. Ruinar är ju ett väldigt klassiskt kampanjhus. Tyvärr så har jag inte haft möjlighet att besöka den. Men jag hoppas att nästa gång som jag och Jessica åker ner till Champagne, vilket kommer bli i slutet på juli, att vi då kan besöka Ruinar. Jag har hört att de har väldigt fina källare. De är ju en av de fem champagnehusen som då, eh, där Unescos världsarv skyddar deras källare. Så det är ju Ruinar, Vövklikon, vi har Pomry, Tatanger och Charles Heidsek. Inte det här nedskrivet men jag tror att jag inte ska förmedla fel information där. Väldigt, väldigt skönt att sommaren äntligen har kommit till Sverige. Det känns ju nästan som att vi kommer få en lika varm sommar som förra året. Och det hoppas jag verkligen för. Och, eh, själv så ska jag spendera helgen med att leta efter en AC. Och eh, jag hoppas att det inte blir lika svårt som förra året. För då fanns det verkligen eh, är det varken AC eller fläktar att köpa. Så att för er som inte har köpt en AC eller en fläkt så ut och leta innan de är slut fullständigt. Nästa avsnitt av Champagne-podden är redan inspelat och där kommer ni få lyssna på en intervju med exportchefen på Laurent Perrier. Så att där har ni någonting att se fram emot och det kommer inte dröja fullt så lång tid tills nästa avsnitt kommer. Men jag säger som jag alltid säger, fortsätt dricka champagne alla dagar och sluta på G.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.